Well, hey, a couple of weeks ago, we kicked off this series called Changed. And over the course of these weeks, the, the question we're asking is one that all of us deal with either consciously or subconsciously at some point, and it's this, can I really change? Can I really make some major lifelong changes, or am I just resigned to live where I am right now? Am I just stuck? One of the illustrations we've been looking at is that of a prison cell. And it doesn't make any sense to any of us for someone who's been in prison to be set free, the door unlocked, left open, their sentence abolished, and they can walk out to freedom. It doesn't make any sense to us, and it shouldn't, for that person, after being set free, for them to willfully walk back into the prison cell and say, no, I'll stay here. Like, it just doesn't make sense. When we think of something like that, we're like, no, that, that's crazy. You're free. You don't, you don't have to settle for a, a 6 by 12 cell with steel bars on it. You can go free. But yet that person says, no, I'll go back here. A lot of us, when we hear of people who have spent time locked up in prison and then they're released, for, for one reason or another, often they end up back in prison. Uh, and, and a lot of times the reason that they develop this pattern in their life of going back to jail over and over again is simple. They didn't change. They didn't change their behavior. They didn't change the friends that they hung out with. They were set free, but they didn't, they didn't act free. They didn't take advantage of the new life that was offered to them and start over fresh. Instead, they went back to the same old routine, and we know what happens in our lives as well as theirs. When we don't change what we're doing, we're going to continue to get the same results. And when that happens sometimes, we end up stuck back in whatever prison, fill in the blank for your own life. For, for a couple of weeks uh, during this study together, we've, we've read this list, and I'm not going to make you listen to it again today, but it's these words like anger and bitterness and lonely and frustrated and all these, all these places, these prison cells that keep us stuck in our lives, and we have to ask our same, ourselves the same question when the, the prison doors are opened and we're allowed to go free because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we have to ask ourselves this question, why do I keep ending up back in the same place? Why does it keep happening over and over again? And when you ask most people about these areas of their life where they seem stuck, you'll usually get answers like this. I don't want my life to be like this. I don't want this. I, I want my life to look different. I don't want these things to continue to describe my life, but I just can't seem to get past this. This is my life, whether I like it or not, I'm just stuck. And on one, one level or another, in one area of another, in one season of life or another, all of us can relate to those words. I, I don't want it to be like this, but it just seems like this is where I'm stuck. Now here's the good news that we've been sharing during this series is that you don't have to stay stuck. It really is possible to make radical changes in your life for you. Not just somebody else, but it is possible for your life to look radically different than what you've been settling for. And we'll get more into that in a few minutes. Whatever it is you're struggling with, it's not a life sentence. 
And if you came in here today just to hear that, that's good enough. That because of Jesus' faithfulness in, in climbing up on a cross and dying for our sins and then defeating death by raising from the dead three days later, your sentence is not life. You don't have to stay stuck in the prison cell. In fact, look at this promise. Jesus came so that you could be set free from whatever is holding you back. That's why he came. That's, that's the whole story, is that Jesus came to set you free. We've told this story a couple of times here at the bridge about uh, the Agora, a place called the Agora, the marketplace back in Jesus' time in, in early Greek or Roman history. And, and uh, this, this Agora was, was the marketplace, and in the middle of the marketplace there was a big stone, and people would bring whatever products they had to sell, and they would stand up on that stone and, and make the case for, hey, you should buy my product. And, and the number one thing that was transacted in the Agora on that stone were slaves. And, and slaves knew that, that there were only two ways to get out of slavery. You either had to die and go to heaven, and then, then you're set free, or someone has to buy you out of slavery. And, and it would happen sometimes. People would go to the marketplace, and they would pay the price to purchase the slave with full intention that as soon as they're mine, I'm going to set them free. That's what Jesus did for you. Now remember what, what he said, the way he worded it uh, about why he came in John chapter 10. These are Jesus' words, and he says this. Now the thief's purpose, the enemy, the devil, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them, that's me and you, a rich and satisfying life. Now notice it doesn't say easy. It doesn't say uh, that I came to give them a problem-free life with a smooth ride here on earth. That was never the promise. In, in fact, one of the ways that you'll know you're growing in your relationship with Jesus is when you start to embrace the struggles of this world as part of the journey and opportunities for you to trust him even more. Now, if, if you're like me, the struggle is when the bumpy parts of the ride come, we start complaining or we start shaking our fist at God, or we start advising him on how to do his job better, when in reality, these, these struggles that we have are opportunities to once again understand the amazing opportunity is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but also those hard times lead us to the rich and satisfying times. They're all a part of the journey. We can't sit here this morning and say, well, Hey, Jesus, if you really loved me, you'd make everything easy. And I think his response to us would be, if everything was easy, you'd have no reason to trust me. And, and I'm worth trusting. And, and I've got your best interest in mind. Then we have also been looking at, at what the Apostle Paul said about why Jesus came. And he, he words it this way in Galatians chapter 5. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. And I love this second part. Now make sure you stay free. Don't go back to the prison cell. Don't, don't settle for life in chains and shackles that you've been accustomed to. There, there are voices, and we, around here we call it the chatterbox. The chatterbox will get inside your head and go, this is the way it will always be. Like the good life, that's for other people, but not for you. And that's a lie from the enemy. Jesus came to set us free. 
right? So let's let this sink in for just a second today, okay? Because it's a truth that I think people struggle with. Jesus didn't come to ruin your life or hold you back. He came to set you free. Jesus specializes in fresh starts and do-overs. That's really good news that if nothing else today, you ought to embrace as a reality. Because I know for me sometimes when I'm down in the weeds and the muck and the mud of life, I don't feel like that. This doesn't seem like reality to me when I'm walking through those difficult times, but it's true. It's true, and when we can embrace that truth fully and allow it to become what our life is all about, then the bumpy parts don't feel so bumpy, and, and, the, and the struggles don't have to take us down for the count. We can understand that even the struggles are a part of this. Jesus came to set me free from those things and, and to give me a do-over and a fresh start in life. Before I dive into today's topic and, and the area that we're going to talk about today as, as far as making changes in our lives, I think it's important for us to remember this, especially if you're new to the bridge or you haven't been a part of this series so far. Before we can change our outward behavior, there must be an inward transformation of our heart. And here's why I'm telling you that. And, and that one's worth taking a picture of for sure, right? Because this is not a self-help study. This is not like read a book and have willpower and you'll be a better person. That's not what it's about. We are saying throughout these weeks that our only hope, your only hope, my only hope in being a different person on the outside is allowing God to transform me on the inside. If you don't sign up for that part, it's going to be a frustrating cycle of two steps forward, three steps back because we humans don't have the power within us to supernaturally change our character. Only Jesus can do that. Once, once we trust that God's way for our life is really better, then we'll start changing how we live and how we treat other people. Past couple of weeks, we've looked at some specific areas and asked that question, can I really change? And a couple of weeks ago, Brandon uh, talked about changing how we use and how we treat our physical bodies. Can I change physically? And then last week, we talked about changing our relationships, and, and I wish I would have thought of this amazing question last week because you would have been really impressed, but at least I, I remembered to say it this week. A really good way to ask the question we talked about th- last week is this, can I change the way I trust and treat other people? Can, can, I, can that really happen? Because if, if you've got the story that I've got, for instance, probably according to statistics, 60% of us in this room come from a broken home where one parent left, right? And, and immediately we, we have trust issues. Well, if that parent didn't want me, then if I can't trust them to stay with me, who can I trust? And, and, and the question is, the really difficult question sometimes is, can I really permanently change the way I trust and treat other people because I I believe with all my heart the way we treat other people is directly connected to how we trust other people and by the way the answer to to both of those questions is yes you can permanently change you can make lifelong radical changes in how you trust and how you treat other people Okay, now that brings us to this week, and, and this week's going to sound a little different, and I really struggled with what to title this this week, uh, but here's the question, and, and I'll unpack this as we go. 
Can I change my life direction and influence? Let that settle as we leave that up on the screen for a couple of minutes. Let that settle about what is your life direction? And and maybe another way to ask that question is, where are you going? What's the point? Uh, This afternoon at our shape class, we're going to tackle questions like, like, what am I here for? What is the point of my life? Why did God create me? And, and the reality is, for a lot of us, we, we kind of get on the road of life and we're, we're headed down the highway and it kind of gets comfortable and we kind of go, well, this is what it is. This is my life. And so we just resign ourselves that this is the direction of my life when God may very well have a brand new direction for you to head in, as scary and uncomfortable as that may be. So can I change my life direction and can I change my influence? And I think those are tied together. And, and, and specifically what we're talking about uh, today in this area of life direction and influences are things like your job, your career, business, school, how you raise your children, what your life goals are, your hopes and your dreams, how you spend your time, what you spend your time doing or who gets your time. And the question is, can I really change all that? Uh, maybe a better question, because there are probably people sitting in here today that go, I, I think someone could change that. Maybe the better question is, am I willing to do what it takes to change those things in my life, in, in your life? Right? So bef- before we dive in, let me explain. This is not a message today telling you to go home and quit your job, quit school, quit your marriage, move to South America and become a river guide. Okay. That's not what this message is about. Okay. So relax. However, sometimes, and I'll get to this in my life at the end of our talk today, sometimes God does call for a mid course correction in your career or what you're giving your life to. And, and the danger when, when he starts doing that is we're comfortable. We're like, I, I don't want you messing with my stuff, God. Like, I, I got my plan here. Don't mess with it. And he's like, if you, if you could only trust enough that my way is better, you have no idea what I have waiting for you over here if you would just trust me. And, and by the way, the, the road getting over here might be really bumpy and, and curvy and uncertain and dark sometimes, but it's what I have for you. Do you trust me enough to go that direction? And so this, this is worth taking a picture of today. Changing the direction and influence of your life can happen, but it can also be complicated, scary, and uncertain. Last couple of weeks we shared that um, the idea for this series we got from a, a church that's been uh, loving on us and encouraging us since before we opened our doors, a uh, church up in Denver uh, called Flatirons, and, and uh Pastor Jim Bergen said this past week, or I was listening to a message of his uh, from several weeks ago, he made this point, and I think he's right, because a lot of us try to compartmentalize our church, God, Jesus world over here, and our job, career, business world over here. And you can't separate the two. In fact, here's what Pastor Jim said, his quote, if Jesus doesn't work in the real world, then he doesn't work at all. And, and the struggle there is, again, 
I believe that. I, I buy that. I'm just not willing to go there. And, and that's a decision you have to make on your own. I, my job every week when I get up here is not to convince you of something or to talk you into doing something. My job is to share truth for all of us and then each one of us have to deal with God with those difficult questions in our own life and you've got to come to a conclusion of what's God telling me to do? Now, because of that reality, because you can't separate job, career, and business with your Jesus life, right? The real world is all Jesus' world, and his plan for your, for your job and your career and your business or raising your kids or what kind of kids you raise or who you spend time on or whatever, like, all of that is tied in to the big picture of what God wants for your life. There's no separating it like okay, this is my relationship with God and this is everything else. Because you can't separate those, here's some really good advice today. Your relationship with Christ should be the driving force behind the direction your life takes and the influence it makes. Do not attempt this on your own. And here's what I mean by that. You've seen the, the warnings on television, don't, don't try this at home or whatever. Uh, listen, what we're talking about today, specifically changing the direction of our life, how we uh, uh, attack or, or view our career and our job and our responsibilities as parents, it's big. Like, it's not easy. And I would be irresponsible today if I didn't start with this statement. All of that, everything we just described, your job, your business, your hopes and your dreams— your relationship with Jesus Christ should drive all of that or you're off course. So conviction point number one today, if, if you have these conversations with Jesus of, hey Jesus, I'll get back to all your stuff in a minute, but leave me alone right now because I'm dealing with my stuff. Then there's a good sign you're not totally connected with Jesus Christ and you're certainly not letting him call the shots. And, and listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to throw rocks at you, but from, from personal experience, I can say when we take the wheel from Jesus, when we take the keys back and go, I don't like how you're driving right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this area of my life, we're the ones who lose out. Like, it, we miss out on some really good stuff. Right? Now, let me say this. I'm not saying today that you, you can't... Uh, have a successful career or make an impact on this world and have influence without a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that. You know why? People do that every day, right? Very successful, influential people make an impact on this world every single day, and they have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So I'm not saying that, but here's what I am saying. Look at this. There is a level of significance in our lives that only comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And, and so if I were to say anything, I'm, I'm not going to be irresponsible and say that, you know, there's, there's no way apart from Christ that you can be successful at your job or raising your kids, because that's silly. But I would say that there is a level of significance and a level of impact that you can have on this world that only comes from knowing Jesus. Can't do it anyway. And yes, I believe, I genuinely believe that how well you know Jesus and how closely you walk with him has a direct impact on the significance that your life can have. 
Are you saying that, Steve, if I'm not spending time with God and I'm not walking closely to him, that I'm not making as much impact as I could without walking with him? That's exactly what I'm saying. And I'm not, I'm not just shooting from the hip there. I'm talking from personal experience. There's a difference when you're connected to the lifeline and the power source that is Jesus Christ. You think differently. Your perspective on life is different. Your motivation is different. The, the time that you have to give and devote to other people are different. And when we disconnect from that power source, we just don't think the same way. And therefore, we forfeit that significance, right? So, we're going to dive into 1 Kings chapter 19. So, if you have your Bible or, or smartphone or whatever, turn to the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19. And while you're turning there, I want to pause and make sure that we're ready for what we're about to discuss for two reasons. Number one, I don't want you to miss out on something really good that God has in store for your life. I don't want you to miss out on that. And listen, I've got my own issues that I've got to ask myself, do I trust God in this area? But for you, I don't want you to miss out on the really good stuff that God has for you because we're too caught up, stuck in a prison cell called comfort or fear. And then secondly, I don't want us or you to get ahead of God or confuse his voice with your own and end up suffering some pretty heavy consequences in your life because when we take the keys back or when we drift away from Jesus Christ and start hearing our own voice and sometimes even mistaking what our own voice is telling us for his voice, there are consequences to pay. I can't tell you over 25 years how many times I've sat across a table from a man that says this, I believe God wants me to be happy and I believe to do that i got to leave my wife. I don't, just, I don't think that's God's voice. I'm just telling you. It, but... but and, and I'm not throwing rocks at you if you've been in that situation. I'm saying when we drift away from, from the truth, from the, the life source that is Jesus Christ, everything just sounds different. And even our own ideas sometimes start sounding like the Holy Spirit. And they take us down a road where there are consequences waiting for us. So let's pull all this idea of changing our life direction and our influence together by looking at a story in the Old Testament about a guy who could have missed out on an amazing direction for God's life and some amazing influence he could have if he had not trusted God. So to set the story, let me tell you, in 1 Kings 19, the rock star prophet of the day is a guy named Elijah, okay, with a J. And just so you know, I'm not joking, like in Old Testament times, because people... Uh, most people were Jewish and they were highly committed to Jewish law, right? In this region of the country, the rabbis, the prophets of which Elijah, Elijah was one, they were the rock stars. They were like, think professional athlete, movie star. Like they were the most famous people in the land during those days. Yet at the same time, they're doing God's work, which I'm still waiting for that to come full circle, you know, um, if it ever does, we'll have like autograph sessions set up, you know, before you look. I'm just, it's a joke, relax. Okay, I wouldn't really do that. Um, but Elijah was constantly looking for young men to fill his place when he got too old. And, and we don't have time to go on the whole story, but right before what we're about to read today in, in 1 Kings 19 is the whole deal where uh, Elijah is running for his life 
right? Because King Ahab's wife has put a hit out on him. And he runs and he meets God in a cave and, and he comes out and God talks to him and basically says, hey, bubs, quit feeling sorry for yourself. I'm not done with you yet. Get back to work. And when you go back home, I want you to go find this kid named Elisha with an S-H, not a J. So Elijah, go find Elisha and, and tap him as your successor. I want you to train him and then he's going to take over when you're done. Okay, everybody got it? So that's where we pick up the, the story in 1 Kings 19, verse 19. The Bible says this. So Elijah went and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing a field. He was plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Now, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, like, Jewish history or any of that kind of stuff. But, like, when I read that, I, I think you're the worst plower they have because you're given the 12th team out of 12, right? Like you're, you're not the rock, you're not even the rock star plow guy. Okay. So you're like in the back, like Elisha, go take care of those. Okay. Don't mess it up, but they're not trusting you with much. I don't know that that's real. Okay. So don't quote me or, or email me or any of that kind of stuff, but it sounds like kind of depressing when I think you're plowing with oxen all day and you're plowing the last team. So look what happens though, while Elisha is doing his job. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak around his shoulders and walked away. Elisha immediately knew what this meant. Verse 20. Elisha left the oxen standing there. He ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my mother and father goodbye. Then I will go with you. So quick time out. Because of the status that prophets and rabbis had during this time in, in human history, it literally was almost every little Jewish boy's dream when they were of age, 12, 14 or so years old, that they would get tapped by a prophet or a rabbi who says, you're with me. I want you to be on my team. You're in my posse, so to speak. And that's what's happening to Elisha right here is that sign of Elijah putting his cloak around him is saying, I approve. I want you. I'm choosing you to walk with me, and I want to train you to take over for me. So Elisha says, hang on, I know what this means. Let me go say bye to my family, and and then I'll follow you. And I don't want to miss the emotions in this moment and in this story, because if we're not careful, we could apply the traditional Bible rule that we think all people mentioned in the Bible never had doubts. They just obeyed God, and, and so we can't assume immediately that when Elijah places his cloak around the shoulders of Elisha, that Elisha's like, greatest day of my life, this is going to be amazing, I'm going to be a rock star rabbi and prophet, I'm going. I think there was fear. You know why? Because Elijah is walking into the community where Elisha has lived his whole life. It's his family, his friends. He, maybe he loves plowing. And I don't know, like, my image of plowing fields for a living all day, every day, is that every single day of your life, you spend 12 hours looking at cow butts, right? Like, that's what it, like, because that's how they plowed the fields back then. They had these giant oxen, cow-type creatures, and they would just stand behind them and look at their butts all day as they, you know, and, and so he may have loved that. And, and there's an important thing to point out here, okay, as we go forward. I'm not saying that if you work in a job or a career right now that this world says is common, that that's bad. 
That's not what I'm teaching today. I'm not saying, hey, go find something more exciting because maybe the thing that Jesus is telling you to do right now is to stay right where you're at and have your influence there. Right? It, it, God doesn't rank our careers. In fact, he doesn't rank anything, but he does strategically place people in certain situations to have influence on lost and hurting people around them. And for us, sometimes, especially when the pastor gets up and goes, hey, trust God with everything, even if he tells you to change careers, things start flowing in our mind, go, yeah, maybe that's what I should do. Sometimes the best and most difficult things to do are to stay right where you're at and keep obeying God and keep loving people without making any changes. Like sometimes that's what he's calling you to do. Having said that, I think this was a hard moment for Elisha. His family's here. That's why I think he says, let me go kiss my mom and dad goodbye. Like I'm freaking out right now. I mean, it sounds awesome, but man, I'm going to miss all this. And that's where we have to stop today and say, at different times in our lives, God asks us to let go and say goodbye to stuff that we love dearly so that he can give us something even better in return. It's hard. It's scary. But that's what he asks us to do. So Elijah, to end verse 20, he says to Elisha, yes, go on back and think about what I've done to you today. Verse 21. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire and roast their flesh. Then he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then almost like Passingly, the last part of this, verse 21, simply says, then he went with Elijah to be his assistant. Elisha is modeling for us this moment of trusting God for influence over comfort. He's modeling for us a new direction over familiarity. He's showing us that sometimes God wants to reach out into your life, shake things up and say, I know you've been doing it this way for a long time, whether that's your career or where you live or, or who you spend time with or the, the, the causes that you give yourself to. I know this is how it's been, but I'm telling you, if you'll trust me and walk away from that, I've got something better over here. That's what he he's modeling. Now, let me, let me explain real quick before we move forward this situation with burning his plows and, and cooking his, his oxen. This is a, a purposeful imagery from God right here that says this, no turning back. I'm all in, God. I'm not going to set my cows and my plows over here, and if your idea doesn't work, then I got something to come back to. I'm saying I trust you so much that I'm going to burn my livelihood so that I can't turn back. I can only trust you. If you fast forward to the New Testament, there are moments when Jesus is leading his disciples around through those three years of his ministry here on earth, and and they saw crazy things, but they also went through difficult things. And there's this moment where Jesus is talking to all of his disciples, and he says this, hey, a, a bunch of people had just gone. They left. They gave up on the whole Jesus way. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, what about you guys? You're going to run too? And Peter, who wasn't necessarily uh, an artist with his words sometimes, has this brilliant, wise moment in that situation where Jesus says, you guys going to run too? Peter says this, where else will we go? 
You're all we have. And, and that's what Elisha is showing us here, is that sometimes God asks us to trust him on such a level that we got to burn our livelihood to such a point that we have nowhere to turn back to. we got to trust God all the way. I'll get back to that in a second when we close. Look at this statement. God most likely, if we take nothing else away from this story of Elisha, most likely God has more influence and adventure in store for your life than you are currently experiencing. You. Like, that's a really good statement. And I, I wrote that one, so we should all be impressed. Like, that, that's a really powerful statement. You, right now, regardless of what you're experiencing, like, some of you have young children, and that's amazing. Like, I remember when we had young kids, we didn't even need television, right? We would just set our kids, and that was our entertainment, you know, because they were so awesome. And that's awesome. And, and God would never, listen, I'm, this is not a message today that says, you know, make your career more important than your children. In fact, this is a moment for, and I'll come back to stay-at-home moms in just a second, but let me speak to you guys that stay at home and, 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 and take care of kids in, a, in an era and a generation where dual incomes and, and careers are important and all that. Listen, I think you should follow whatever it is God's telling you to do, whatever that is. But if that is... If the calling that God's placing on your life is to raise your children to be difference makers, then that's the most important career you could possibly have. And you ought to treat it as such. It's not like everybody else goes to work and then stay at home, mom, stay home and watch Ellen all day. Like everybody knows that it's harder than that. Like you have the most important job in the world. So, so don't mistake what I'm saying today. Look at these promises from the New Testament. First, First Corinthians chapter 2 says this. These are promises from God about your life. No eye has seen, no ears has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Actually, in that passage, Paul is quoting the Old Testament here, but the, the fact remains true that we, me and you, can't literally fathom all the goodness God has for us if we will completely trust him to make some radical changes in our lives. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 3. I I love how the message paraphrase uh, words verse 20. He says, God can do anything, you know. That's good. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. Remember, Before you can change outward behavior, you've got to have an inward transformation. His spirit deeply and gently within us is teaching us that he can do so much more than we could ever ask or think if we'll just trust him. And and, and it's worth just stopping for five seconds here to say, if you're still in that moment in your life where you're going, I'm not sure if I'm ready to hand over the keys or not, This is a great promise to hang on your mirror or something or keep reminding yourself of because what you get in return for handing over the keys of your life to Jesus and trusting him with every area of your life is, listen, is not terror and horror. Like he's not trying to make you the most boring person in the world and take all the fun away. He's promising, if you'll trust me, I can do more than you could imagine in your wildest dreams. Look at this right here. The reason, I, I believe this, the reason many people never reach their full potential in Jesus Christ is because we continually force our plans ahead of his. Like we, we, we 
we love God and we, we're like, hey, I'll go worship you and I'll even, you know, I'll tithe and I'll volunteer in kids and I'll, I'll do all this, but there are certain plans that I have, God, that trump your plans. And, and, and the reality is we, we do that. We show that with our actions. And, and when things get scary in our lives, some of us, our natural reaction is to stiff arm God and then pull out our agenda and go, yours is going to have to wait. Will you please bless mine? And it, it doesn't, I mean, it does make sense to us humans because we're self-absorbed, but in, in the big picture of life forever, why would we try to force our agenda when it doesn't even compare to what God has for us? Matthew 19 says, and he's talking to, his, uh, to some religious leaders at the time, and they were basically saying, is this really possible to Jesus? And he says, Jesus looked straight at them and said, there are some things that people cannot do, but God can do anything. And so let's tie a bow on all this. What, what are we saying? Can I change my life direction and influence? Is God telling me today to go quit my job and pursue something else? I, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that everything in our lives, including our careers, should be on the table. I heard an old pastor say one time, the answer is yes, God. Now, what's the question? For every area of our lives. So let, let, I made some notes about these different areas, and I, I just want to walk through them. And, and if, if God uses them in your life, great, but we're going to kind of run through these, and that's the end, and then we'll, we'll be out of here today. Starting with career, job, or business. Think in that realm right now. If you are miserable and you dread going to work every single day, maybe it is time to examine other options. Because I believe this. I believe that God puts us in a certain place in life to influence certain people. But if you're in a career that is literally sucking the life out of you and taking years off of your life, then I think a godly thing to do is to examine, what am I doing here? What am I giving my life to? Or the flip side of that is maybe what you need to pray for today is that God will change your perspective and your heart about your current job that you'll see it through his eyes and not just yours, and that you will be the change that he is looking for right where you are right now. What does that look like? How you treat people, how you view your job, what you give to your job. Here's a question just to ask about, about life direction and influence. Where you work right now, because everybody's going to work tomorrow. How many times have you engaged in a conversation with people that work with you that would bring them here and introduce them to the bridge or to Jesus Christ. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just going to say this. If you're not having those conversations at your job place, you're wasting your time and spinning your wheels because that's one of the reasons that God has you here. That's, why, that's one of the reasons he has you in the job that you're in, in the office that you're in. It's not an accident that you go to work with those same people. And I know we're, we're walking a fine line here about, hey, my career should be on the table and I should trust God with it. Yes, either way, whether he tells you to move on to something else or whether he tells you to stay and make a difference in the lives of people that are there right now. 
How about students that go to school? We have some high school students and middle school students in here. Here's the questions I wrote down. What do you want to be remembered for? What are you afraid to try and do? Who around you at your school is hurting? I've told teenagers this for 25 years. Not only is it not an accident that you go to the school you go to and sit in the math class that you sit in, it's not even an accident the row that you're sitting in. Even if you think you chose that chair, God had a plan for where you sat down. And it it includes you encouraging hurting people around you. It's amazing how in this technologically developed world we live in, how the suicide rate continues to climb, especially as it relates to social media bullying. I mean, it's amazing. It's, It's sad, right? But students, if you're listening to me today, you could be that person that makes the difference. Just a smile. Or, hey, why don't you eat lunch with me and my friends today? Like, you can make a difference. You can change the direction and influence of your life. I already talked about stay-at-home moms, but let me zoom in, zoom out a little bit and talk about parents in general. Don't just raise your children. Like, there, there is a, there's a, a segment in the timeline of raising children where literally all of us have those moments where we go, I just want to get them to 18. Like, I just want to get them there and then get them out of here, right? And, and that, that time where you start having thoughts like that usually comes like 11 to 17, right? And, and you're just like, I, I'm done with this. I want, but can I challenge you on something today, parents? Don't just raise your children. Raise difference makers. Raise kids who want to make an impact on this world now, not just when they're 25, Raise kids that know that you believe in them and love them even when they fail. And why am I talking about this on a day that we're talking about changing the the life direction and influence? Because there's no greater influence that you will have on this earth than the children that come out of your home. None. Like that's your first and foremost job that God has entrusted you with is to build these children up so that they can make a difference in the lives of others when they leave your home. I'm going to close this way and the band's going to come and we're going to sing one more song. But I I want to kind of give you an example of the Elisha moments in my life. Remember, Elisha's minding his own business and God says, I got something better. And that's happened twice in my adult life. Once I was a pastoring just like I am now and we felt like God was saying hey for a season we weren't sure how long it was and ended up being five and a half years I want you to go back to school finish your degree and I want you to coach high school football and teach history in the local high schools that's how I want you to make an impact right now and the reason that was hard and scary if you can picture that moment where where Elisha says to Elijah hang on let me go kiss my mom and dad real quick before we go and there's that moment of do I really want to go when when you're in your late 30s and you have a mortgage and you have kids in school it's not even that logical to go well I'll quit my full-time job with benefits and go back to school so I can go this direction Like, there were even people that said, are you sure this is God? Like, are you sure God's telling you to do this? And and it was scary. 
And I can tell you a couple of things that make me know that that journey to go back to school at 38, to graduate when I was 40 years old, uh, the reason I know it was worth it are two reasons. Because I have two daughters, 24 and 18, that know you are never too far to follow your dreams. You're never too old, never too far down the road. If you believe it and God's calling you to do it, you can do it. They watched their dad do it. They watched their dad go to school really early in the morning, come re- home really late at night. They watched him go cut grass to make ends meet while, so that we could keep our home while I went to school. They, they watched it. Even bigger story that impacts you directly. During my five and a half years of teaching, I met a person that I didn't know the impact they were going to have on this church, but they have. For five years, this person's daughter was in our athletic program. I was a football coach and AD, and this girl played softball and some other sports. And, and uh, when it came time to start this church, this woman came to me and said, I want to support the Bridge Fellowship in this way financially until God tells me to stop. And, and, you know, because we're on video, I don't want to get into more details, but, but I want to tell you this. If it weren't for that lady and for me making a detour to go coach football for five years and go back to school and cut grass, I promise you, if not for that lady's faithfulness and me meeting her, the doors of this church would have never opened. That's how big of an influence she was in the early days. And she still is still gives today. The reason I'm telling you that is like, that's an amazing goosebump story that I would never have gotten the opportunity to tell unless I had said, everything's on the table, God. And then you could add the Bridge Fellowship into that equation and go, you know what? I was minding my own business coaching high school football and and some guys approached me and said, what what do you think about starting a, a church in Colorado? And comfort said, heck no. <laughs> like, like I didn't know any of you, and so no personal offense or anything, but I'm like, I like my life right now. I'm, at that time, I was 44. I'm like, that's a young man's game. I don't want to move my family halfway across the country and start over just so we can have a church. But then you look across this room, and I just... When I see your faces, I I see stories of how this place, not me, this place is impacting your life and your friends' lives and your neighbors' lives. And we don't get to tell that story if I go, no thanks, God, that sounds like a great plan, but bless mine instead. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying he's got goosebump stories like that for you too. The question is, do you trust him enough to walk down that scary, dark road of uncertainty that goes, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Do you trust that his way really is better? That's the question. Because you can change. The question is, are you willing to do what it takes to make those changes in your life direction and the influence that you have on those around you? Let's pray. God, thank you for believing in us, for having a plan for our lives, 
for loving us unconditionally, even when we try to force our agenda over yours. God, I pray that you would speak to us in this final moment this morning and speak clearly, God, about what it is that you want our life direction to be in. And Lord, maybe it's to stay right where we are and to change our perspective about our current circumstances and to go back to work, to go to our neighborhoods, to go home and take care of our kids with with a new vision in front of us, a new motivation. But Lord, there may be people in this room that you have a whole new direction for their lives. And they've been walking in here week after week feeling stuck stuck in their career, stuck in their life direction. God, would you give courage that can only come from a supernatural God today, that they would trust you enough to put everything on the table, say, God, I just want to live for you, and I want to be right where you want me to be, even if that means i got to drive down a scary road to get there. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word for stories from your scriptures that show us we can do that. We can change. It's in Jesus' name we pray.